This past weekend was the New York City Marathon. It's a marathon that extends throughout the five boroughs of New York City. It uh, begins in Staten Island and ends in Manhattan. Uh, it's a total of 26.2 miles and 25,000 people participated in this year. In fact, it, that one of those people, one of those 25,000 people included our very own Matthew Sachs. Uh, this year, an inspirational story of uh, compassion and kindness came out from the race when a runner uh, by the name of Jamel Melville collapsed about 200 meters from completing the entire marathon. He was almost done when this happened. And what happened next, you'll have to see for yourself. Check this clip out. We spoke with Jamel Melville, who told us that his personal experience in yesterday's race is exactly what it's all about when we talk about the New York City Marathon. The battle against your own body in the struggle to achieve a goal, and of course, the camaraderie epitomized by those strangers helping and lifting him across the finish line. 39-year-old Jamel Melville struggling to stay on his feet after more than three hours hitting the pavement across New York City's five boroughs. I knew I was close to the finish line. I knew that I didn't have that much longer to go. It was painful. <laughs> it was painful. Jamel remembers the intense closing moments for him yesterday at the 50th running of the New York City Marathon. Well, 200 meters from the finish line, ran into some difficulties. I had been slowing my pace a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I hit the proverbial wall. I, I didn't have it anymore. And it was at Jamel most vulnerable moment in the race when video captured a magnificent gesture of humanity. I know one of the runners passed me on my left and as he passed me he sort of looked back and he made up his mind to come help me. Watch as two other runners lift Jamel from the ground encouraging him to finish the race. Ty Givens, Jamel's girlfriend, saw the whole thing from the east side grandstands in Central Park. That's a very selfless thing especially when when you have your your goals and your times and these guys are competitive and and they're fast so for him to for them to go back and help him. I'm eternally grateful for both of those gentlemen to help me. Um, I want to talk to him. The Queens native who played multiple sports in his high school and college years feels immensely proud he was able to cross the finish line, but he's also admittedly very sore. I'm going to hold on to this for, for a long time and cherish the experience that I had going through what I went through. Jamel, a Yale University psychology grad who picked up his passion for running marathons in the past couple of years, says he has now turned it into a lifestyle. You haven't seen the last of me. I'm ready to go. <laughs> we'll see you back. I, yeah, I can't wait for the next one. You know, in another interview, one of the runners that helped Jamel said that previously when he ran the marathon, he couldn't finish and he wanted to make sure that he would do whatever he could in order to help Jamel cross the finish line. You know, it moved the hearts of literally millions of people as the TikTok video blew up and went viral online of these perfect strangers helping their fellow New Yorker make it past the finish line. What fueled this act of kindness? Well, you can say it was a word, a thing called compassion. Last week, we began a new series called Gentle and Lowly, where we've been challenged to take a deep dive into the heart of Jesus for sinners and sufferers like you and me. Maybe you've never truly studied or understood the extent of the love or the heart of Christ. But we are being challenged together as a church as we look into God's word to truly get a glimpse into his heart. One of the words that we see repeated throughout the New Testament regarding Jesus' heart towards others is the word compassion. 
You hear it over and over again when you read of Jesus' dealings with the people that he encountered throughout his ministry. One such time where you read it so clearly is in the book of Matthew. The author described Jesus' traveling ministry of serving and healing and helping and teaching others. And then we read this in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 36. It says this, When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Can you guys imagine Jesus looking around, surrounded by all these people, people who were hurting, people who were needy, people that were desperate? And what is his outlook on them? What are his thoughts of them? He feels compassion. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I feel a lot of things for people sometimes when I'm on a crowded train, when I'm walking down a busy street full of people shoulder to shoulder crammed in, and it's usually not compassion. Not Jesus, however. You know, the word that is translated compassion there in that passage and throughout the New Testament in the Greek is the Greek word, and you're going to have to bear with me, this is a tough one here, but it's the Greek word splanknizomechi. And here's what it means. It means to be moved in the inward parts. Literally, when you read the word in the Greek, it means a feeling that moves the bowels. In other words, a feeling so profound, it stirs from within the most inward parts of you. It's a compassion that is felt from the gut. And when the Bible talks about the compassion of Jesus, it's a compassion that moves his most inward parts. This is all the more awe-inspiring when you consider the people that would be in the crowd from whom Jesus had compassion for. Certainly in the crowd, there were thieves, and there were liars, there were adulterers, there were drunkards, the despised, the rejected, and the despicable. Yet Jesus had compassion. You know, I love what Dane Ortland writes in the book that we're reading together by the same name, Gentle and Lowly. He says this, The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct, is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. I love that. You know, for us, our general disposition is to avoid or to run away from or to hide from, to use the author words, sin and suffering. However, Jesus' compassion is what has him not only run towards, but to embrace sinners and sufferers like us. So what did Jesus' compassion lead him to do? And what can we learn from it as we grow in Christ-likeness? And and how, how should we demonstrate compassion to those around us? What did Jesus' compassion lead him to do? Well, Jesus' compassion led him to feel. Led him to feel. No doubt, compassion is not only philosophical or intellectual. You don't just draw a philosophical or intellectual conclusion from compassion. As the Greek word implies, it is something that is felt from deep within. And as that compassion moves the most inward parts of Jesus in his humanity, it moved him to feel something. Have you ever seen something so moving or witnessed a moment of kindness and compassion 
or maybe experienced something so beautiful that it moved your heart to such emotion that maybe it led to a physical expression of that. For example, being so overwhelmed with joy that it brings you to, uh, to laughter or so moved uh, that tears begin to stream down your face. This is exactly what Jesus' compassion will lead him to experience. There's several times where we read uh, from uh, authors in the New Testament that give us a glimpse into this. And in such an instance, we read in, uh, in the book of Luke where Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. Check this out in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Look at what his compassion leads him to do. It says, as he approached and saw the city, he wept for it. Envision this moment. Sense the love and the heart of the compassion that, that Jesus has here. Not only over one person, over one family, but his heart breaks for an entire city. So much so that it leads him to weep over it. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever experienced that sort of compassion over a particular area? Let me localize this question for us. Have you experienced this sort of compassion, this Jesus-like compassion over our community, over our neighborhood, and for our neighbors? You know, many people I speak with never develop this sort of compassion for where they live. In fact, many people instead develop more of a disgust. Why? My guess is that it would boil down to the pride that we spoke about in week one of our series. Because I think if we viewed our community, if we viewed our neighbors, our block, the way Jesus did, I think we'd weep over it. We'd cry out to God in desperation to seek and save the broken, to redeem and restore, to heal and mend, not simply to try to run away from it. You know, we'd view our neighborhood and our neighbors from the redemptive lens of Jesus and see the potential for God to do in others what he has done in our own lives. That there is nothing particularly fond of you or me except that God saved the wretch like me, like us. And if he did it to us, then he can do it for others in our community. You know, an observation I make when I read this verse is that Jesus is approaching the city. In other words, he's heading towards Jerusalem. He's walking towards Jerusalem, so he's not far removed or choosing to flee from the city. I need to remind you guys that as he is heading to Jerusalem, what awaits him is not a party and fanfare, but his own bloody and brutal death. And he knows this is what is coming. Yet he's overcome with compassion for the very people who would shout, crucify him, crucify him. What if Jesus is calling you not to a life of comfort, but to a life, but to the life that you're living right now, as uncomfortable as it may appear to be, to develop a heart like Jesus and to have a compassion for this neighborhood. What would that look like for you? Maybe it would lead you to shed tears for your neighbors that are like sheep without a shepherd as you pray over your neighborhood for Jesus to save redeem and restore. Maybe it would lead you to get to know your neighbor's names, to hear their stories, to go out of your way to establish friendships and to earn an opportunity to share your faith. 
Jesus' compassion led him to feel something. Jesus' compassion also led him to action. Jesus' compassion didn't just stem from his heart and affect his emotions. Jesus' compassion actually compelled and moved him to action. And this is important for us to grasp today. Because maybe you hear the word compassion and the temptation is to stay stuck at simply knowing something and feeling something, but then not doing a thing about it. This was not the case for Jesus. In fact, for Jesus, compassion was the fuel for his serving. It was the fuel for his ministry. Check this out. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. It says that Jesus withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd. And what did he do? He had compassion on them. And then what did that compassion lead him to do? And he healed their sick. In this passage, Jesus is actually trying to get alone. Who doesn't like to recharge their batteries, especially after a busy time of ministry and teaching and and being around a lot of people? You just want a little me time and there's nothing wrong with that. However, the crowds track them down. And in that scenario, I'm sure uh, some of us here would have had some choice words for those people, right? For those crowds. However, Jesus has compassion on them. That very same compassion is what leads him to forego a time of solitude to serve the people. Here's another instance in Matthew chapter 15, verse 32 and verse 36. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. So what does he do? He took the seven loaves and the fish. He gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. See, once again, it's the compassion of Jesus overhearing the rumbling of the tummies of the crowd that fueled the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, that miracle that you guys know so well. And it was compassion that paved the way for this miracle to happen, for the hungry stomachs to be satisfied. What does compassion lead you to do? Maybe you hear the call to serve, you hear the call to do ministry, but yet you feel no desire to, you, or you have no sense of urgency to, or you have neglected to make it a priority in your life. Why? Maybe it's because you do not have a Christ-like compassion to motivate you to action. Without compassion, not only will you neglect to see the opportunities to serve others and to meet needs and to minister to others, but you will also, without compassion, begin to see others as projects, profitable or pathetic. Let me explain. You see, without compassion, you will see someone as a project. You will see someone's need and then see yourself as God's solution to their problem. And instead of seeing yourself as a beggar trying to show another beggar where to find some bread, you arrogantly see yourself as someone with all the answers to this problem, child. So you treat that person as a project to fix. Without compassion, you will see someone as profitable. Instead of thinking how you might serve someone, you consider how you can exploit them. How can, how can I use them to, to service my selfish purposes? How can I get something from them to meet my quota, to meet my terms, to meet my demands, to meet my goals? 
Without compassion, you don't seek opportunities to give. Instead, you seek opportunities to take. Without compassion, you can see someone as pathetic. This is when you think, man, what a waste of life. How sad, how, how gross, how disgusting. And this would, once again, even if you would go out of your way to serve them, would put you in the seat of superior to or better than or greater than. But this wasn't the attitude of Christ. Jesus had compassion. And the compassion of Jesus will lead him to not only feel something, but also to do something. That same compassion would put tears in his eyes, that the compassion that put tears in his eyes gave strength to his hands to serve others and to meet the needs of others and to minister to others. With compassion, you will see people with dignity and intrinsic value made in the image of God. That's that, that through that same compassion, it will not only move your heart, but also move your feet and also move your hands. In fact, you can say that you haven't truly experienced compassion until it, has, until it has moved you to do something about it. This is consistent throughout scripture with Jesus. He was moved to compassion and that compassion makes him move. What about you? I pray for a church that is so full of compassion that it not only breaks our hearts to see the spiritual and physical condition of our neighbors, but that it actually moves us to do something about it. That we would seek out opportunities to serve our neighbors, to love our neighbors, to help our neighbors, to minister to our neighbors. I'm afraid that we can fall into the thought that simply feeling compassion is enough. That theologically we can draw this conclusion and yet that feeling never actually moves us to action. That wasn't the case for Jesus. In fact, compassion is what led Jesus to endure the cross for you. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't see you as a project or profitable or pathetic? No, Jesus had compassion for you. You were the lost sheep without a shepherd. We are the broken. We are the needy. We are the desperate people. Yet Jesus had compassion for us. And his compassion was demonstrated. How so? With his journey to the cross. Jesus endured the cross for you and me because it was our sin, our waywardness that merited the punishment. Yet God made a way for us to experience forgiveness of our sin through the selfless sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God in our place. And in that agony, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he hung his head and died. But three days later, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus conquered the grave, loosening the grip that sin had on us. And now for whoever puts their faith in Him will experience forgiveness of sin and new life. And if you're here today, if you're watching this live stream today, this is the compassion that Jesus has for you. And this is the opportunity that you have before you today. Just put your faith in Him. Jesus' compassion led him to action. What about you? My prayer is that as we grow in Christ's likeness, that we would begin to more and more experience the compassion of Jesus. The same way we have experienced Jesus' compassion towards us. May we also express that same compassion towards others. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the compassion that you have demonstrated to us. That compassion, Lord, led you to the cross 
to die in our place for the forgiveness of sin and new life. I pray that we might demonstrate the same compassion for our community, for our neighbors. Lord, I, we repent of our selfishness and arrogance. Lord, to desire to move away from the place you've called us to. Lord, may we develop this compassion that you would break our hearts, Lord, for those that are around us. Give us, Lord, a compassion that moves us, not simply one that breaks our hearts, not simply one that we understand with our minds, but one that actually moves to our hands and feet. Help us identify the needs and motivate us, Lord, to do something about it. I pray, Lord, that we would be a church full of the compassion of Christ. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.